0: Welcome, friends, to The Flower of the Cedar, a novel in episodic podcast form. We are about to start the next chapter. Come, join us. Chapter 7 Her Hearts Open For the next two days, it was as though they had just begun their journey. Lara returned to the indignant sulk she had swathed about her those initial steps, directing herself toward Jan with alternating silence and peevishness. She let the litanies revolve, and added to them, she revived her old anger at well, the whole of reality, for not letting her in on the secret. Every step was attended by bitterness. As for all she knew, she might be headed in the wrong direction. Jan's parents had only said north, not how long. In the weeks they had spent at Nena's, autumn had come fully, turned crisp, chill, in riotous color all about them. Soon their daily walks were a physical, bracing joy, as the growing cold offered the warmth of their blood challenge. And the land through which they were passing was thick, with trees running to golds, siennas, ambers. Despite the strain between them, the girls fell into something of a respectful companionship, formed by the basic cycle of shared life on the road. Jan found herself frequently turning to Lara, wanting to smile or talk, and only just remembering herself to be out of grace. A windy night some handful of days after leaving the village, Lara had assembled a rough cone of wood over kindling and was trying, without success, to strike a spark into it, the few that caught were whiffed cold by the wind far before they could feed on it, and Lara felt close to a brink of fury. Everything worked against her. She glanced once, hatefully, at Jan, working on a small lean-to as windbreak for their night's shelter. Another spark caught and went dark. Lara shouted "'kicking her left foot out as she stood, scattering her little cone of wood. "'She was crying before she realized it. "'When Jan came to her and offered her embrace, "'Lara gave up. "'The frustration she had been channeling to her friend changed course. "'What do I hate?' Lara thought, rubbing at wet eyes.' Not her. I hate feeling this way. I'm muddy water. I'm exhausted, she said to Jan, sheepishly, not prepared to lower herself to full apology just yet. Here, Jan said, helping Lara sit, starting to gather and rebuild the laid fire. You'll block the wind there. I'll have a go at it now. Distant, calling bird voices kept Lara awake for some time that night. Her belly was full. Bread and a hot broth had been dinner once Jan managed to coax flame out of the wind beleaguered sticks, But her mind gave her no rest. She turned her head. Jan's bedroll was empty still. She was, Lara supposed, talking with the god again, as she left most nights to do. A few nights she would lie on her back and murmur things into the darkness, but Lara never heard any voice answer, And these nights were rare. Usually Jan went some distance from their camp and returned, presumably, after Lara had fallen asleep. She never felt a desire to follow Jan. Indeed, she dreaded the nights Jan did not leave camp. For though she had heard no God's voice yet, who knew? But tonight was different. She sensed a disturbance within her, a disgust for everything she possessed. The cavity of her body, the helplessness that snared her in the face of her angers and hatreds. Even her whirling thoughts disheartened her, so little could she control or silence them. At the mercy of these wants, Jan had said, She was, Lara thought bitterly, at the mercy of all things. So, she rose and began searching for Jan, walking softly both in hopes of Jan's voice giving her direction and in a desire to go unnoticed. She had a sudden, desperate wondering to know the sound and thunder of a god's voice. Anything anything but the irksome grate of her own mind. The spread of woods curled around their camp, dim, vaguely rustling, until another sharp wind whipped through. Lara's eyes were drawn to a curve away to the right, a stand of some three or four trees on which the moonlight fell oddly. Was it more brightly? No quality of the light was not like moonlight, clear and chill. It was cream, pearl, a smoother light, a light that had presence of its own beyond simply illuminating other things. She shivered. Was there a voice, a being, hidden in that light? She could see no form without thought, Her feet were carrying her nearer. But would a god necessarily have a form? She tried to remember any clue to this in what the peddler woman had told her. If the god did indeed eat hearts, then presumably he had a mouth. The air grew warmer the closer she came. She had not, till its warmth touched her, known... How cold she was. And then she had her first sight of Jan with her hearts open. She had seen heart plants growing from nothing, and a heart plant perished awfully. It was all nothing like this. Jan had knelt on what must have been a swath of late autumn grasses and mosses, like all that surrounding, beginning to brown and sear. But where she knelt now... The deep greens glowed as in summer's peak. She herself arrested the eye, her arms flung out from her like a dancer's, like an embrace, if one could be said to embrace the sky or wind. Her breastbone lifted, and from it all the fires and rubies of a heart bursting in joy. She gave birth to roses, to a heaviness of sea flowers, her heart a wellspring visible. Too fiery, me, Jan had said, but here she was fire-freed. The torrent of stems, blossoms, and vines showed a green living center, Lara could see some growth drooped or barren toward the edges of the conflagration, the only small dimming to the brilliance of Jan in that moment. The peace in Jan's sleeping countenance woke in Lara the old, insatiable ache. Its balm existed there, just there she saw it. But she did not have it, and the lack supplied all her anguish. Jan was speaking, but the language was not familiar to Lara. Her laughter sprang into her sentences with ease, and almost Lara began to think she heard a whisper of answer, nearly below the range of hearing, like the deep roll of a cat's purr. She knew the god was in that moonlight. Fear and weeping disemboweled her, and she ran from the unearthly space, her bare feet burning as though they had trodden holy ground and been found unclean, charred in the face of the purity. She was not ready for this. The way Jan's body had been arched, totally open to the god, terrified her. She did not want to bear herself so fully, humiliatingly. She dreamt uneasily and woke, sweating, feeling chased by hounds no quarry had ever outrun. So flute, so sanded, too swift and terrible for her stumbling, scramble away. The pale light in the morning did something to gentle her nerves, but she could not shake the fright. Jan noticed, but did not comment, on the way Lara would not make eye contact. The pace Lara set was a good deal faster than that of the previous days. She wanted to forget or ignore. These things were too much for her. She was not ready for this. Later that day... They rounded a sharp bend, couched in miniature ferns and low yew trees. Lara, distracted by her energies of forgetfulness, took a moment to notice the odd shape up ahead on the left. She stopped. Jan paused also, though with less suddenness. She was quiet and still while Lara looked. It was near to the ground perhaps no more than three feet in height, and it looked something like the remains of an old stone wall. Rough, unhewn rocks had been mounted one upon the other, balanced with care, without the aid of mortar to hold them in their place. The mound was perhaps as wide and long as it was high, and would not have been remarkable except for the rioting, bright flowers shooting up from every crack visible. They curled and twisted, looping the stones, grasping shallow holds with pale green tendrils, and finally drew together at the center of the mound's surface, spiraling upward in one many-corded stalk. Tiny, azure blossoms peeped from around the stones, but where the thousand vines met and wound together, they supported a heavy, spilling weight of brilliant mauve, deep scarlet and indigo-like velvet on the eyes. The surprising beauty caught at Lara with the familiar ache, and yet, mingled with it, she felt something different a firm, cold shudder that touched her once, suddenly, and left without a trace. She turned to Jan. Her tongue moved to form the words, but she could not speak. What was it? Why did it move her so? Jan looked back at her, her features holding that strange mix of solemnity and joy, mischievousness, that Lara found hard to understand. Then, turning back to the flowered stones, she knelt with abrupt grace, her fingertips touching the earth, her lips moved in silence and her bright head bent. Lara, discomfited, remained standing where she was. "'It is an altar to the goddess,' Jan said." Without raising her head or rising from her knees. The goddess, Lara said, confused. Yes, Jan said absently, still kneeling. The feast is past. What? Lara could make nothing of this. Jan seemed to emerge from whatever reverie had swum round her when she knelt, and raised her head to look at Lara. Ah, oh, kiss good like i forgot she said it's a it's one of the marked one's ways to speak goddess rather than god the feast of weeping stands at the start of the autumn and in it the god becomes goddess moon dark and sorrowing we speak goddess language for the autumn and winter When the foot tender earliest days of spring return, the goddess again becomes God, triumphant and bright. Lara paused a moment to take in this newest complication, then set it aside impatiently and turned to another troubling aspect. Why is it here? Jan's head tilted. Why not here? Lara shifted. I thought that his... her... I thought the temple was in the south, she said. Why should anyone make altars here? It is not a temple altar, said Jan. Though they share aspects. A single bird trilled deeper in the forest. Lara took a step back, her eyes still on the blooms. Does not comfort me, she said lowly. Jan rose and joined her, motioning that they might continue on the road. No, she said, those flowers grow from pain. The Flower of the Cedar is written, produced, and published by me, Kay Benavraham, this content is made possible by the support of my patrons on Patreon, We make monthly pledges they can increase, decrease, or cancel at any time. If you are enjoying listening, please consider supporting my work on Patreon. Even a dollar a month makes a great difference to a struggling author. For those of you wishing to support this work in non-monetary fashion, you can tell a friend about the podcast, or... Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to help ratings rise so that other people can find it. Thank you so much.